welcome back to the LED Project Podcast. My name is Kyle Krieger, and I am super pumped. This is episode number 134, if I'm not mistaken, of our podcast. And super thrilled to have Jessica Martin on the podcast. Jessica, how are you? I'm doing well. Thank you. I. It's so funny. We just got done talking a little bit. Like, you're in Nevada and in this, like, super remote town, but yet you went you have a mom, your mom grew up like, or was from like an hour from where I grew up. And you went to school at the same school that my girlfriend went to in Minnesota, even though you're from Nevada. And it's just so crazy to me to think that there's, there's that connection with that. It just blows my mind. Everyone, everyone's connected. It is. It's like that six degrees of Kevin Bacon. Like every person in the world is six (laughs) steps of Kevin Bacon. So. Yeah. I, I know what you mean. So I'm super, super excited that we could connect with you on the podcast because you got a lot of really cool things going on, but also too, like I'm super intrigued because you were telling me like when we started talking about this, that you live 283 miles from a target. I was like, that is one of the <laughs> craziest things I've ever heard a person say. <laughs> yeah. And a dollar store and a mall and like a Panera bread. <laughs> My friend wanted to give me a free bagel today. And I was like, no, I live like a couple hundred miles away from that place. So, <laughs> so, so basically like everything you need to survive is in your town. Well, no, <laughs> I usually have to drive an hour to just to get to a store like a Walmart. We have a mom and pop grocery store here and it has like basic necessities, but example, I have a bearded dragon. He was my class pet one year and I can't have him at my new school and he eats crickets and they don't sell crickets in my town. So every week I have to drive 78 miles for crickets. It's so ridiculous. All my friends make fun of me because crickets cost like $5. And if I ordered them in the mail, they'll show up dead because I'm so far out. So yeah. Oh my God. That's so amazing. And, and I have to say, do you, I mean, being that you live near where alert area 51 allegedly is, do you see aliens often? (laughs) No, but there are weird things that happen sometimes. My husband is a gold miner and he works on this mountaintop as a gold miner. And they do see weird lights up on the gold mine sometimes like unexplainable lights. So I mean, yeah, anything can happen out here. It's like the hills have eyes too. It's it's oh kind of creepy. Oh my goodness, yeah, that's <laughs> great. I mean, that's great. That's crazy to me. But I'm I'm really interested to hear, like like you said, what teaching is like. I mean, because most teachers today would say you couldn't teach if you were 283 miles from a Target. Like that's like <laughs> a teaching necessity these days. Is like to be able to go to Target <laughs> so and then like snap pictures of everything you bought at Target. And I was just like, oh man, these people are going hard. Like on the teacher on the target dollar bin like just but i suppose it costs you like oh man it's got to cost you like a full tank of gas to get to target and back (laughs) it does yeah it's actually one tank of gas four and a half hours to get to target (laughs) so i never go there's no point yeah yeah yeah, yeah, um, for sure so it kind of sucks the dollar store like we don't even have a dollar store around here and there's so many cool like when I was teaching stem in fifth grade so many cool activities where it was like just go get you know something at the dollar store I'm like I don't I don't I can't (laughs) so 
So before before we get too much farther into it, do you want to just give us a little bit of, of your background and your experience in teaching and, and why it is that you chose to, to this profession of teaching? Yeah, that would be awesome. <laughs> Uh, it's really not a fairy tale story. Like I, I listen to these podcasts all the time and people are like, I knew when I was a little kid that I want to be a teacher. And I, I, I knew this and my parents were teachers and my grandma was a teacher. And that was not my situation. My parents were bartenders, not big fans of teachers. And I went to college to be a financial planner And that was my goal. I wanted to be a financial planner. And I graduated shortly after 9-11. And there were just no jobs in finance for new grads. Like the the economy just, it just, it got kind of broken for a while. And so I had to do all these, I applied for like 50 or 60 jobs and didn't get any. And I had to do all these like weird, odd jobs. And one of the odd jobs I did as I worked in group homes with disabled adults, somewhat easy job to get. And eventually in the company, I got promoted to being a program coordinator. And um, they gave me like a classroom and I had a dozen disabled adults. And my job was to try to teach them how to get a job and how to keep a job. And that kind of broke me into teaching a little bit. And I, mm-hmm. I didn't even know really what it was. I didn't know what it was all about. <laughs> so, and then I decided I was only making like 12 bucks an hour, 28 years old. I'm thinking, boy, your life is not looking too bright right now. This is, this is not, I mean, it was an interesting job. I did a lot of really cool stuff, but the pay was so bad. So I looked at all these graduate school programs and I applied to a whole bunch Uh, like for social work and law and getting my MBA and teaching. And I got accepted to teaching first. The program started before all the others. And I just thought, you know what? I'm just going to go for it. I'll just see what it's like. I have no idea. So I didn't really have a drive to like help kids or like, I wasn't like a martyr. Like I'm going to go in and change the world. I was just like, I just want a job that doesn't suck. (laughs) And so I I went to teaching grad school and it was amazing. My teachers were top notch and I just totally fell in love with it. And I was a sub for a few years and, and I've been in the classroom now for seven years. So. Wow. Wow. That's, that's crazy. That's such an awesome story, but like how, but like, like, I mean, and I kind of feel you there. Like when I graduated college in 2008, like I was a teaching major, but that was like right at the, right at that next economic downturn. And there were just like no jobs anywhere. So that's how I wound up in Houston where I wound up, you know, teaching with my partner that I do the podcast with and all of our stuff for our nonprofit. And, you know, now I'm back home, but it was crazy. Like that same kind of happenstance got me to a place that I never thought I would be. So that's, that's super cool. So, so in, in your opinion, you know, whether it's, teachers you see or teachers you had, what, what is the value of a really great teacher? Well, I was thinking about, you know, one of my favorite teachers, uh, my seventh grade English teacher, and I was really depressed in seventh grade. And I was, I was suicidal in seventh grade. I used to lay in the road in the middle of the night and pray for a car to hit me. I had like severe depression. And my seventh grade English teacher, she was so fun. Like every day, 
she was like dressing up in costumes. She like would light things on fire. She was just really out of the box, extraordinary. And so when I was thinking about like what makes a great teacher, it's just like it can, you could seriously not even know it and be saving someone's life because every single time that I was like laying in the road, my mind would start drifting and I would be thinking about what would she do next? What was my teacher going to do the next day in class? What was she thinking? Was she going to light something on fire? Um, I know one time she like rented a limousine for us and drove us around town to like the gas station in this limousine. I mean, she was an extraordinary teacher. And so really, um, she's like, she kept me alive <laughs> through seventh grade. So like a really great teacher, you might not even know that your fun lesson, what it means to someone, but it could be like picking them up in their lowest moment. Like if you're giving someone a reason to go to school every day, it's huge because some people don't even want to live every day. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's huge. Oh man. That's a, man, like, it's crazy. That's, I mean, that's a crazy story though. Like, but it's so true that you, as a teacher, you never know where your impact, you know, that there's that saying, like, you never know where your impact as a teacher ends, but you never know, like how a kid might be in that spot, man. That's, that's super crazy. But like, yeah, I was so, I was so lucky when I was doing my teaching program, we had to go interview three teachers and I found her. <laughs> she was a principal at a Montessori. So she had left the public school system and I actually got to like, I didn't, I know I did not tell her how bad and what bad a shape I was, but because I was kind of too nervous, but I did tell her, I was like, listen, you were my reason for waking up every day. Like your class meant the world to me. And so it was so cool to get back into teaching, but like the teaching realm and be able to tell her like, you're oh, yeah. like you thinking of these fun lessons. It changed my whole life because I wanted to live through the next day. And she, right. she, she loved it. Obviously, it's like the best thing a teacher can hear. Oh, that's oh my! There's nothing better. So we talked about how you're kind of out in the middle of nowhere, but you before we get into kind of that part, you teach at a school that's one to one technology, right? And yes. which which piece of technology do the kids have? We have Chromebooks. Okay, so everyone has I their mean, own Chromebook. And and you're the you're the tech coach there, right? Yeah, technically, technically, I'm the digital literacy coach. That's my official job title. Sorry. Yeah, right, right. Like like the librarian <laughs> is the media specialist. Yeah, kind of, kind of. Sorry, I have My job is more about like understanding not just the technology, but how to incorporate it in every classroom and like how to, how to get every subject incorporated with it, so... So j just on that front, you know, because there's a lot of talk about what is the right amount of technology for kids and screen time with that. So being that you're in a one-to-one -one school, what are some of the benefits you see with the kids? But then what are some of the drawbacks you see as well? I mean, for me personally, there are no drawbacks because the kids can collaborate. They can create content. They have like the world at their fingertips. Um, so there's just so many positives to being a one-to-one -one school. 
I would say the only negative for us have been we have a very seasoned staff. Uh, 75% of our teachers are getting close to retirement. They're leaving in the next few years. So this like mind shift for the teacher of going from like pencil and book their entire career to like here, every kid has a computer now in your class. It's been really difficult for them to accept it and then for parents to accept it because it's like the kids have been great with them. And I actually, we monitor their internet usage and you would imagine for like a junior high school that they would be being real naughty, like, you know, 250 kids. And I would say maybe one, one kid a week is being inappropriate with their Chromebook and they take it home with them at night. So, I mean, it's, it's like, it's teaching them so many digital literacy skills and like digital citizenship. They are learning how to communicate on the internet and how to collaborate with each other. And so it's wonderful, but the, the biggest drawback has just been like the teacher adoption of it. It's, it's hard to go from pencil and book teaching or like really fun craftivities to trying to do something on a device that you don't even know how to use yourself. Right. And it's, it's just so interesting to me because there was such a push for technology, technology. And now I've been reading that there are like schools, especially in affluent areas that are now like swinging back the other direction. And it's, it just is crazy to me that how quickly it was adopted. There's already people going back away from it. I know. And there seems to be like like a huge push against kids using social media of any kind too, like just using the technology to communicate because there is kind of a problem with, you know, bullying and uh, self-esteem issues. But like, there's just, I feel like every single job relies on technology. I mean, my husband is a gold miner and (laughs) you would think that he would just need a pickaxe to do his job, but everything is like with technology at his job like there's giant machines that they're operating to mine gold now and so it blows my mind that like school districts would be stepping away from technology when like we're trying to prepare these kids for jobs they don't even have and they're probably going to be using technology in those jobs so it just blows my mind I don't understand it I hope it's a a trend that goes away I don't like it so then how does that integrate? So does your whole school do, do nothing but project-based learning or is that just you that does project-based learning? Well, we were a project-based learning school our first year of the Chromebooks and I was actually a teacher that year. So every teacher in every room did project-based learning. But then we piled on another canned program, um, the seven habits of highly effective teenagers on top of that. Mm-hmm. And it was a bit much for teachers to keep up with like two canned programs and can like curriculums that we're buying from these corporations and they tell you how to run them and it was just it was difficult so now we do project-based learning I think once a quarter and then we do a huge project at the end of the year where we cancel all the classes like kids are done with their classes the beginning of May and they just work on a project-based learning um, event for like four weeks at the end of school so that's kind of what we do now. We're not 24-7 project-based mm-hmm. learning, but mm-hmm. we do a lot. And what is, so how do the kids pick their project at the end of the year? Is it just a free-for-all, like anything they want, or are there parameters to it? It's really organized, and we work on it for quite a few months. So each each teacher gets put on a grade-level team. So like the sixth graders all have one 
project that they do together and they all have the same theme, but the work they create from that, that question, it's going to be different. And then the seventh graders all do their own, the eighth graders. So like, for example, I'm on the sixth grade team and I came up with our last PBL and it was, how would you survive the zombie apocalypse? And so they had to plan out, like we give them a budget and we take them on a field trip and give them survivor skills. And I mean, oh, it's, awesome. it's a lot of fun. There's a lot you can do with it. So I would have, I would have just showed them the old movie. Well, old, not old for our time, the old movie Independence Day with the aliens and just said, okay, how would you survive <laughs> when, when, uh, yeah. that, that we happened. were going to, we were going to switch to aliens this year, but, you know, we already had all the zombie makeup and because we actually, we have the high schoolers come in and they dress like zombies and then they go and bite secretary and she comes running in the room pretending like she just got bit, but she doesn't know what bit her. And all the kids are like, what's going on? And then these zombies are like going through the school and it's, it's a lot of fun. Oh man. Do the kids just like go ape for it? Just crazy. Well, you know, they're in sixth grade and, you know, 12, 13 years old, like some of them are going crazy, but some of them are trying to keep their cool, but they're all loving it. And that's called the entry event. When you do project-based learning, you got to have this one event that like sucks them in. So they want to, they want to do this project and they don't care how many hoops there are because they saw that it's fun. It's mm, awesome. So Kind of coming back to being a teacher in, in a, well, I mean, I, I thought I was in a rural area, but you are a rural area with, you know, that it seems to be very isolated. So what are, just as a teacher, and I guess maybe even as a person too, I mean, because, you know, for the last 10 years, I've basically lived in a major city. You know, I'm, I'm about 35 minutes from St. Paul right now. So kind of as a teacher and as a person, you know, how do you combat, you know, that? I mean, and, and I know there are probably some people that think that's a great thing that want to live in that area, but, you know, I, there's got to be some degree of isolation at times. Yeah, you know, I moved out here about seven years ago as I met my husband, and he's a gold miner, and there you got to live in the middle of nowhere if you want to be a gold miner. There's not a lot of choices. <laughs> so that that's why we live here. And um, it was really hard my first couple of years. I did feel very isolated, and I didn't grow up here, and I didn't have any family here, and I didn't really have the same kind of belief system that a lot of the teachers have here. And I was coming from a big city. I was coming from Reno. There's a couple hundred thousand people there and, you know I was used to teaching in a school district with you know 65 elementary schools and there's one here so <laughs> I went from like a totally different um, place and after a couple of years of just kind of being miserable that's when I discovered blogging and social media and teachers be teachers and I just really started connecting with people through my computer because I wasn't finding like-minded people in real life and so that's, that's kind of how I've dealt with things. And now I've made friends all over the world and I go to several meetups a year and I talk mm -hmm. to my uh, blogger friends every single night. And so I really don't feel like I'm isolated or alone anymore. It's been amazing. What, what do you mean by like the teachers just had kind of a different belief system than you did when you got to your new school? You know, just like a really small town, rural setting. Um, it, it's hard. They're just very, they just, they just think differently. 
yeah. <laughs> I don't want to get myself in trouble in case any right. of them listen to this podcast. But, you know, there, there's a different mindset when you're in a bigger city. They're very, you know, a lot of them are very community-based. Like, they've grown up here, and they're very, very conservative in all of their thoughts. And they just have, like, I don't know. It's, it's, hard, it's hard to explain, but I just didn't, I didn't fit in with them. It's a good old boy system, and it's where everyone knows each other, and they all grew up here, and why else would they be here? <laughs> right. You know, and that was a funny thing. Like, I grew up in that small town where, like, everybody knows everybody. Like, several of my high school teachers taught my parents, you know, so it when I was growing up, it wasn't weird if you went out to the local bar and restaurant and you saw your teacher there and, and he or she was having a beer. Like that wasn't yeah. weird. But then I moved to Houston and I'm working in this giant city in this giant school district. And, and I'm living like probably 25 minutes from where I work. So you don't see your kids. And it sort of put me into like the spot where like my life was kind of more private you know, because you live in a small town, if, if you're a teacher, everybody knows what you're doing. Like people know your car. They're like, Oh, Mr. K is down at the corner. He's down at the corner bar. And it's, and it's not a thing, but I I do know what you're saying kind of with that, with that small town mentality and and that, but I'm, I'm interested what you think is going to happen. Um, you're saying that a lot of the teachers are getting towards retirement age. Do you think your district's going to have a hard time filling those jobs? Yes, and they know they are. In fact, it's not just my school, it's the whole district is of advanced age. <laughs> I'm trying to be so PC right now. Right. But yeah, they, they are older and we're having, I think, uh, over 50% are retiring in the next couple of years. And the district is, you know, they're kind of panicking. It's hard to get people to live in this kind of remote area. They do have some benefits though that are pretty unparalleled. For example, we have a four day school week and we get every Friday off. So that is a reason that some people will move here um, and we get paid very well compared to the bigger cities around us. So we have a higher pay and no Fridays. Now we do work just as many hours a year. That's how we get away with it is we work 10 hour days, Monday through Thursday, but to have that three day weekend that will, especially for new teachers that are really young and like travel, like that is one way that we try to get them here. Yeah. I mean, cause when there's a teacher short, I mean, there's a teacher shortage everywhere pretty much I mean there's you know especially but like those remote spots like I had a buddy that went um like he was he went I think his first job was like on a on a Native American resume reservation super super that was remote my first year. yeah my first year yeah. was on a reservation yeah and yeah. yeah in I think it was north northeast Arizona somewhere I think mm-hmm. um uh but you know they paid his housing they paid for every I mean like he basically lived for free and taught you know for for that time so but I'm I'm just it's it's interesting to see how I mean because because you where you're at there's no way for you to consolidate your school district there's no way for you to join up or there's nowhere else for your kids to go so how how big of an area do kids I mean Does anyone live like a little bit outside of your town or is it pretty much if you live there, you just live right in town? 
most people live in town, but I mean, there are kids that have a 20 to 30 minute bus ride. And we actually have a large population of kids that live off the grid. So like their parents don't want to be known by the government (laughs) and they live completely off the grid, like no electricity. They don't have addresses. Like they live like it's possible to do out here. So we do have a couple kids that live like 40, 50 minutes away and their parents drive them to like the nearest bus stop and stuff. So it's kind of interesting. Wow. Nice. So also, but, but to, you know, kind of with that, cause I, I just talking to you, you know, you have a big personality, which is good, but you were saying like when we were getting ready to have this conversation that you think humor is super important. So I'm going to, I just want to expand that question a little bit too, because you know, obviously humor is very authentic to you. So what is the importance for humor for you, but also what do you think the importance is of authenticity for a teacher? You know, I think when you're being authentic and you use humor in the classroom, it shows kids that you actually like them. And that's, that's a huge thing for junior high school kids is like, they just want to know that their teacher likes them. And if you can make them laugh, it's almost like, they think that means that you like them. (laughs) That's what I've noticed is like when you're really yourself. And for me, it's using a lot of humor. And like you, you already noticed, I have kind of a big personality. And when I'm being funny in front of the classroom, like they gravitate towards that. Not just, not just because it makes them happy, but because like they know they tell me jokes and we can have like a, like kind of um, a fun relationship. I mean, I try to keep our, you know, student teacher professional, but really fun. You know, we can play jokes on each other and just have a lot of fun. And if they think that you like them, you just won 90% of your fights. Oh yeah. You know, and that was really, that, I think that's what I struggled with. Um, especially when I started too, was the fact that I thought that keeping separation, like between student and teacher meant that I was like way above and they were like down here and I was like the authority figure. But once I like really started to kind of like grasp how a, how a student teacher relationship worked, oh, it was so much better. And, and I think it makes being a teacher yourself that much more enjoyable when you can go there and like, the, like you said, the kids actually see that you're having a good time and that you enjoy what you're doing. Yeah. That's what, that's what means the most to them. That what, that's what makes them want to show up every day. And that's always my goal is I just want to convince them that they need to come to school every day because that's what right. I needed in junior high. Right, 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 right. Awesome. Awesome. So I, I wanted to connect with you because, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but you're, you're a part of the New Year Teacher Reboot, right? I am the host. Yes, that's the right <laughs> term. And it's, <laughs> Perfect. And I wanted to make sure that I like didn't screw that up because I thought that's um, what it is. So could you explain what it is? And, and I'm interested, like what a host of, a, of an online like teacher <laughs> conference does, but, but just kind of everybody a, a, a view of what it's going to be and also, you know, why it got started. Because I'm, I'm with you on the importance of like, especially now it's December, you know, teachers rebooting at the start of the year. So I, after being long-winded, I'll let, I'll let you talk about it. Well, it's kind of funny because it started because of a podcast. Um, this person, Educators to Educators, asked me to be on her podcast. And we did the podcast. And then afterwards, we were talking. And then we just kind of kept the conversation going. 
And I don't know how we brainstormed this conference idea together because she kind of has a lot of ideas for like rebooting the new year. She has a lot of products. Um, her name is Carrie. She's just calling her she. But Educators to Educators is her website. And, um, and then I have a lot of connections. I've made so many friends through social media. And I was like, you know, I think that we could combine our passions where you want to give people a boost for the new year. And mm -hmm. I know the people that can do that. I can bring us the people to start this. And I think, you know, it's going to be amazing and we can get people excited and just kind of to do something after New Year's. A lot of people have that whole week off. We were talking about how it's kind of awkward timing this year. You know, a lot of people have until like January 7th off of mm -hmm. school. And so we're just like, what if we did something after New Year's to just get people excited about going back? And that's how it all came about. And that's what we're doing. Okay, so so what is what is the format? Just so people know, kind of like what they're what they're getting into when they sign up for it. So it's a free sign up on educators to to the number two educators to educators .com, and you just give us your email, and we're going to send you a link to get in on. I believe it starts January 3rd and it's a, it's a course website called Kajabi and you'll log into Kajabi and you'll see two different categories. We have one for like health and wellness and we'll have a category for career and then there'll just be all these 10 minute, 15 minute videos by people that you might be following on social media or that you know, and then you just click a video and you can watch it. And then we're hopefully going to have some sort of meeting room where people can get together and talk about the videos afterwards. And you can kind of talk to some of the presenters and stuff. Yeah. I mean, and, and just if you don't have like a way to do that now, we we're using zoom right now and, and this zoom would allow us, we could add up to like 60 people. So it's, it's been super convenient, but no, I'm super excited. I, and I, I think I originally came about it because one of our really close friends, Gary Gray Jr. Who's over in Singapore, he's doing one of the sessions. I, I was like, him. I was like, that's my boy right there. He's doing it. I got to find I, out what this is. I but, asked uh, him to join us. I wanted him oh, bad. He's the best. <laughs> He is the best. I like, wanted him so bad. Like we've we've had him on our podcast twice, and we're I mean we're in contact with him probably like two or three times a week. But like honestly, in terms of the teacher space, like I don't think there's a. I think there are people that are doing really good work, but like the stuff that he's doing is just incredible, amazing. Yeah, and yeah, he's I just such him. a. He was one of. He was one of the first people on my list and I, I actually like made a list of all these people that I was like, what would my dream conference be like? Like if I could just, just based on things I've learned on Instagram, who could I pull? Like who would I go and pay money to go see in real life? And he was definitely on my list. So cool. Who else are just off the top of your head? Who else are some of the people that you uh, you're excited about? Oh man, we have Esther Brunat. <laughs> And that's just her screen name. She's so funny. She's going to do the art of being petty. <laughs> I can't wait. And Miss um, Bertles, um, she's Olivia Bertles. And she's going to talk about, she listens to so many podcasts and news sources, and she's so well-informed. So she's going to talk about all of her favorites and, like, how she stays, like, up to date with everything going on all the time. So that's going to be awesome. We have Fletcher. Um, I don't know if you know Fletcher Nelson. Mm -hmm. uh, he's up in Minnesota. Yep. And um, he's uh, 
third grade swag. I can't exactly remember his name, mm-hmm. but um, he's going to be talking about just how he, he, he's had a lot of like kind of negative things happen and you would never know it. And he's going to talk about how you can turn like lemons into lemonade. So anyway, there's, I could go on about every, every single one of these presenters are people that I have built relationships with over the last few years. And so I just know so much about them and I'm so excited to see what they're going to bring to the table. Like I'm super pumped. Yeah, it sounds awesome. And like I said, we're excited to check it out and to be able to, but I, I love the fact too, that it's not just that you can go on and pick and choose like the different things that apply to you, but that it's real teachers. And and that's just what I, I have loved. And we've talked about this a ton on our podcast, how when I started my career, I felt like I was never learning from teachers who are in the profession, but now it seems like so many conferences and like this are really like connecting teachers with teachers. And I think that's, I think that's super, super important. That's something I was looking for for my conference because there are a lot of people on Instagram who aren't teachers anymore. You know, they've made big money on TPT or they left they left the classroom. And I love and respect so many of those people. But when I made my list of like my dream presenters and I looked at it, I was like, oh my gosh, all of these people are still in the classroom every day. This is so cool. Like this is like everyone is like a bona fide teacher. <laughs> and I'm, I'm just excited because teachers have the best lessons. I mean, the, like life lessons to give because you're learning how to balance so much stress and anxiety all the time and right. juggle so many things. You're going to be like people's best tips, like their best mm-hmm. tricks for just staying happy and positive. So I'm really excited to hear from real teachers. I just love right. that. Right. Awesome. Awesome. Well, we definitely want to be super respectful of your time tonight. So we're going to get kind of into the wrap up questions. I feel like if we get going, we'll, we could get this, this get out of control. So um, a question we always like to ask everybody at the end is what do you think is one thing every kid should be taught? I'm super passionate about kids being taught how to be resourceful. Um, it's just one of my passions in life is just teaching kids how to not only find their own answers and not spoon feed them any information, but really that there's a whole world of business out there and like how they can start a business, become entrepreneurs, how they can really like all the information to anything you want is out there. And just kind of like no more spoon feeding, just like you can, you can find this and just that's, that's what I think. Yeah. Yeah. And that, you know, that's crazy because like you were saying with the technology, like everything is out there for them now, like they can find just about anything at any time. But I think it, like you said, it's super important that you teach them how to do that. Cause it's not something that everybody learns like just naturally is how to be resourceful. So, um, if you could give advice or maybe even like a little bit of a pitch to people who, may be struggling with or are thinking about teaching in a, in a rural or a, a remote area in your case, what, what tips would you give to a teacher who's doing that? Or what advice would you give to someone who's thinking about doing that? You know, a lot of rural places pay really good and they have amazing benefits. Like if you compare them to, you know, cities. So that, that's like, you have to start looking at the positives. Like what are the positives that you have? I have a 90 second commute to work. 
and I never like a minute and a half I'm at school so I mean you're not dealing with so many problems that people in cities are and then if you do start feeling isolated and you don't feel like you fit in at your school you can go on social media and you can find people that are just like you so you can enjoy the benefits of working in a small town the great pay no traffic, no pollution. I mean, it's kind of low stress compared to some places. Um, And you can still connect with people online. So you can kind of have the best of both worlds. I know I would say that over half of my friends have like this hellacious drive to work. It's just awful. And I'm just like, do, 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 do. I go through two stop signs and I'm there. So, I mean, you always got to, you got to look for what you do have instead of what you don't have. Right. Yeah. And that was the crazy thing. When I taught in Houston, I was my shortest commute, like on my best day was like 20 minutes. And there were days where it could be 45 or 50 minutes. But when I, when I moved back up here and I, I started teaching up here, it was like a five minute drive. Yeah. And it was so nice. Delightful. So before we ask you the last question, people looking to connect with you, I know you talked about educators to the number two educators.com for, for the teacher reboot, but if people who want to connect with you, um, and, and start a dialogue with you and kind of get, get that advice from you, how can they find you? Well, I'm usually easiest to find on Instagram. I am the underscore whimsical underscore teacher. <laughs> if you want to find me on there, you can also email me the whimsical teacher at gmail.com. Pretty much if you Google the whimsical teacher, you are going to be able to find me. <laughs> I'm not hiding. I swear. Right. Right. Awesome. Well, Super appreciate your time, and we're, we're really looking forward to checking out everything that you got in the Teacher Reboot. But uh, before we let you go, this is the last question we always ask everybody is, what do you want your legacy to be when it's all said and done? You know, I don't think I quite know yet, but I would like it to be right now. It's just that every person I meet that they were – you know, impacting, and that they knew that I cared about them. I just want people to know, like, I care about them. I care about their story. I want to get to know them as a human being. That's what I want my students to know. And that's it. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for, for a little bit of your time. And thanks for coming on our podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Kyle. I appreciate it.